0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Let's stand, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4 this morning. Genesis chapter 4 this morning. Close to the beginning of your Bible, hopefully it won't take you too long to find it. Genesis chapter four, and we're going to read the second half of this chapter. Last week we were in the first half, and last week on Sunday morning um, we we're continuing our series called "In the Beginning," and I call it "In the Beginning" because it was written for us to understand where everything started and what the foundation of everything is, so that we can understand. How things are going forward. You don't really understand how things are now unless you can fully comprehend how things were at the very beginning. If you don't have the whole story, you can't really understand where you are. In this book, Genesis was written by Moses and written for the children of Israel. As they were coming out of Egypt, they had been slaves for over 400 years in a pagan culture. And God wanted them to go back to their roots, to understand where they came from, to understand what things were like in the beginning, so that they could have a correct worldview moving forward into the promised land. And I think that God wants us to understand these things as well. Um, you know, we right now, I don't know if you're like me, but you're looking around at, at the United States of America and you're thinking, how did we get here? How is this the country that we're that we're living in? This isn't what we're used to. This is different than anything we've seen before. And when you start to read a passage like Genesis 4, it starts to make a little bit more sense because adam and eve had just fallen and i say just fallen in in the span of time where the second generation they had just fallen and they have two sons named cain and abel so this is the first generation of people after the fall these first two siblings mentioned in the bible and guess what happens as the depravity of man's condition becomes evident one brother kills the other brother we're already here at the very bottom. Murder to me would be at the very, the very bottom of, this, of man's depravity. And yet we're here in one generation. So Cain has just killed Abel, and then we see how God pronounces judgment on him. Look at verse 16. It says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he builded a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mahuajel, and Mahujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. Don't go up and see the pronunciation finder on Google to see if I got those right. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was ada and the name of the other was zillah and ada bare Jabel. he was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle and his brother's name was jubal he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ so can you imagine if you have trouble you know yelling out your kids names Jabel, jubal i mean they it, it started from the very beginning okay go through all the names till you get to the right one And Zillah, she also bare, Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubal-Cain was Naamah. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly, Lamech seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again. And she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there there was born his son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And I really want to focus on the society, the civilization that Cain started. He went to a place called Nod and he started his own thing without God. And I'm calling it this morning um, in Nod without God. <laughs> and you say, that's real creative. I'm not sure I'm origin, original with that, but um, I'll take credit for it at least for the next 45 minutes or so. So in Nod without God and we can find ourselves there too, folks. So go ahead and be seated. I appreciate your standing for God's word. This week we had some men in the office um, from a local copier company, and the church has done business with this company for many years, and Judy and I, uh, Judy's church secretary, we were talking to them about how much copy machines have advanced. And they mentioned, and I didn't know this, uh, Judy uh, was working somewhere else here in town, and And years ago, uh, they were talking about the copy machine um, that Judy had to deal with where she was working before. And they were saying that this copy machine had a lightning speed of two pages per minute. So if you don't know anything about copy machines, that would be uh, in the animal kingdom, that would be the three-toed sloth, okay? Okay. Based on that speed, some of my sermons would actually probably take longer to print than they would for me to preach. You say, I'm not sure about that. Well, I'm not either, but... You know, we're working on a a new copier now, and and I believe it's rated at 45 pages per minute. So just to give you a little bit of comparison. And I was thankful after that conversation, I was thankful for technological progress. And and not just regarding copy machines. Some folks... In this room, copy machines are not what you think of when you think of technological advances. Some of you in this room, um, that maybe some of our more seasoned members in here, you've seen some incredible technological advances in your lifetime. Some of you probably remember not having running water when you were a child. Anybody grew up in that situation? Indoor plumbing. You, you may remember when you first got indoor plumbing. I mean, there's so many examples. I could go a lot of directions But I just want to make the point and move on. I I think about even just the way that music is consumed now. In in most places now, it used to be, well, it used to be if you wanted to listen to music, um, and I'm going to go way back. If you wanted to listen to music, you would take your banjo and go to your friend's or your neighbor's porch, they'd pick up the saw or the jug, and you'd have a, a little picking and grinning. That's how you listen to music. Well, now, then it progressed and the radio came along and probably some of you remember the first radio you had in your home. Uh, Then it led to a record player, which I remember a lot of that when I was a child and record players are coming back into fashion now. That led to eight tracks, which I just remember a little bit about eight tracks. Um, And then it led to cassette tapes, which I have a lot of memories of cassette tapes, which led to CDs, which almost everybody in here understands as CD. But did you know that you're old-fashioned now if you listen to music on a CD player? Most music now is streamed on the Internet. That's how everyone does it these days. won't be long and you'll pull out a disc and your kids will say, what's that, Dad? You know, this is true. Technology has advanced so much. It's true in our communication as well. You know, it started face-to-face, which, by the way, I prefer because you can't really misunderstand Uh, face-to-face conversation well usually you can't we're at like you can in a text but it used to move to letters and and carried by pigeons which I have no idea how that happens but it did then the telegraph then a phone that was actually kids in here a phone that was connected to the wall if you can imagine that now you can see somebody's face live from around the world on your phone and with a daughter in college, I'm telling you, I'm thankful for that level of advancement in technology. But I also think we've placed too much value on it. People line up now and they'll, they'll for days sleep on the street in front of an Apple store to, give, to be the first one to get the brand new iPhone. There's this weird cultural peer pressure that says you've got to be the first to get something new. And while I am thankful for some technology, I'm, I'm, we're blessed to have reli- more reliable cars. We're blessed with medical advancement. I'm thankful even in this room here today, we've got air conditioning. Aren't you thankful? On a day like that, on a day like today, we're supposed to be in the 90s. We have air conditioning in here. And some of you say, well, we'll turn it off because it feels like Antarctica. Well, somebody sitting on the other side of the room thinks it's, it's too warm. So who knows? We're streaming live on the internet right now. And... And we've got people at home watching, and, and it's good to have you tuning in this morning. Um, but they're able to do that because of technology. And not everyone's able to be here right now. I completely understand it. I'm grateful that we can minister to people in this way, although I still think it's not the same. The danger, though, is we place too much value on it. We tend, as human beings, to place too much value on progress... And listen, I'm for progress, I want to move forward, I want to get better, I want to improve, but there's some progress that isn't moving forward. See, to get more specific, we can be as advanced in our technology as we want to be, but if God isn't present, if God is not with us, progress means nothing. You know, I think about that that for our church, and I don't ever want to get to a point that we have all the new technological bells and whistles and we've got all the everything that you can imagine all the newest stuff and we lean so heavily on them that we forget the only thing that makes it all matter anyway is the presence of God. When we gather here together it's not about the technology and it's not about the lights and it's not about everything else that we can inject it is about the presence meeting with the presence of God, all is vain, this, the hymn says, unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Lights and sound and smoke and mirrors, they might enhance the experience, but they won't bring us closer to the presence of God. Be careful about judging a house of worship based on the bells and whistles. Find a place that preaches the Bible and has an environment conducive to hearing from and meeting with the almighty God of heaven. Let that be your standard, folks. We have to be careful not to get so wrapped up in progress that we leave God out of it all. See, truth is, progress without God isn't progress at all. Somebody said it this way. They said, is it progress if you teach a cannibal to use a fork and a knife? We have a problem as a culture in thinking... Movement equals improvement. See, that's not necessarily the case. Progress without God is going backwards. And we see that here in Genesis chapter 4. As we come to it, that's what's happening in our text. Cain, as we know, has just killed his brother Abel, and, and the Lord has banished him for his actions. So it says at the beginning of verse 16, it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. And we understand, listen, When you come to God on your own terms, like Cain did, he came in pride. He came saying, Look at my offering. Look what I've done with the work of my hand. And God wasn't pleased with it at all because he came to worship out of pride. Abel brought a lamb, um, he sacrificed a lamb, and God had respect unto his offering, but not unto Cain's because Cain was full of pride when he came to God. And he was saying, Look at me, that Labor Day parade. He was, he was, he was full of pride about what he had done and God rejected his offering. And rather than repent of his sin, which you would have thought that God probably would have shown mercy to Cain if he had simply repented of what he had done. But instead he got angry with his brother Abel and went and, and slew his brother Abel, killed his own brother. First two brothers in the Bible and they're already committing murder. So God then banishes Cain and sends him away and casts judgment on him. And so Cain leaves and it says he went out from the presence of the Lord. And that happens when we approach God with pride. And it happens when we give in to anger. And it happens when there's sin in our lives. We think that we're going to draw closer to God somehow in our own flesh, in our own works. And yet we find ourselves leaving the presence of the Lord. And he goes to a place called Nod... In that place called Nod, that word Nod means wondering, and it's a fitting term. See, people that aren't right with God, a person who won't make things right with God, finds themselves wondering without peace, without God. They're unsettled. Look at verse 17. It says, Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bare Enoch. And a lot of spiritual people ask questions like the most important things, like where did Cain get his wife? Well, obviously, he had to have married one of his sisters. There weren't a lot of options in those days. And it's, you say, well, that's kind of weird. So it's a different time. I mean, uh, the mankind, the race of man was very pure at that time. And this was, uh, the seed of man was pure, meaning and, and uh, it was okay. This is how God chose to have man reproduce and, and replenish the earth. And now it's different. But back then, that would have been what had to have happened. Cain marries a wife, they have a son named Enoch, and it's interesting to me that he, names his, that, that he names the first city that he comes to, he names it after his son, when he started his city, I should say. See, it starts with Cain building this city, and he, he's the, it's the beginning of urbanization. It's, it's the beginning of civilization. And it's interesting that people say, well, the early humans, you know, those early humans, they lived in caves, and they drew all over the walls, and there was no advancement in technology. And yet we see the son of Adam and Eve, and he's starting a city. So don't believe everything that you, that you read in the history books in public schools, kids. I mean it's not all the way that it was that it's depicted to be to you. Here's Cain, the son of Adam and Eve, and he's already making progress. He's building cities. He's he's starting civilization. And I want you though to notice the focus of his progress. In verse 17, it says he bare Enoch, he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. It's interesting that Cain did not name the city after his father. He didn't name the city after God. He named it after his son. And I'm not going to read too much into it, but I do think that's a hint at the heart of Cain that he already has a man-centered worldview. He's already forsaken the spiritual seeds from which he came, and he's moving forward without God. He's making progress without God. He's trying to sever the ties ...that he had with the spiritual seed of his ancestry... ...and he's moving on without God. And, and churches are full of young people doing that very thing today. They came from a spiritual mindset... ...they came from spiritual parents who love God... ...and raised them up in church... ...and yet as soon as they get a chance to step away... ...they're severing the ties with God... And now they've got a man-centered worldview, which, by the way, we've got to help our children. If they, if they go to state university, they're going to get a man-centered philosophy of life, a humanistic philosophy. And I'm not saying they shouldn't go. I'm just saying, parents, you've got, you got to help them through it. Because every class, they're going to hear a man-centered philosophy. They're, they're going to want to sever the ties with their parents, which is exactly what Cain is trying to do. He's trying to move on without God. And man-centered progress isn't progress. But the way of Cain seeks progress without God. He's trying to move forward without God's influence. He's trying to forget what he was raised understanding. He's trying to forget Adam and Eve, his parents. He's trying to forget their God and move on. And when you don't abide in the presence of God, you tend to forget to include him in your daily life. And you make decisions without counseling God's word and seeking his, his wisdom. You make big life changes without counsel. And I've seen it happen so many times, especially, again, in our young people. Uh, they, they, they tend to move on and make big decisions, big impulsive life decisions without considering God. And it usually ends in heartache. When you try to live life apart from God's help and influence, it will lead you to places that you don't want to go. It's the mark of the wicked. Psalm ten four says the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, listen, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. So you know what, it is? here's the mark of a wicked young people trying to sever the ties with, with the way that you were raised and the spiritual lives that, you, that, you, that, like, that invested in you and your parents who love God, those trying to cut ties. It says that's a sign of the wicked when you start living and in your life. God's not in your thoughts at all. You're just living life without counsel, without help, without spiritual guidance. And if that doesn't describe our country, I don't know what does. Look at all the places we've removed God. I mean, the schoolhouse, our own house, the courthouse. I mean, even some church houses. And they're moving forward, and they've got progress. The average American, though, isn't even aware of God, much less concerned about God. They're not in his thoughts at all. It's not like they're shaking their fist at God. And that's just where we are. We're a post-Christian Culture. it's not like we've got an, a generation of rebels shaking their fist at God because they don't want to submit no, now this generation doesn't think about God at all he's not at all in their thoughts they're living a completely atheistic lifestyle not thinking about God at all they're not in his thoughts if God doesn't sit on his rightful throne mankind usually takes God's place and that's what's happened It's the kind of society that Cain was establishing. It's a man-centered society. Verse 19, we see it based on the evidence. It says, verse 19, Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Adam, The name of the other is Zillah. Two wives. It wasn't long before Lamech openly defied God's intentions for marriage. So remember, at the very beginning, God said from the very beginning, and I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to be biblical, which is my responsibility. And God says it's one man and one woman for life. Those three factors, one man, one woman for life that's a biblical marriage and i know we're hearing it from all places how marriage can be this and marriage can be that and marriage can be whatever you define it and that's nothing new in the realm of humanity i mean lamech in genesis 4 already is redefining god's morality for marriage and he marries two wives which god didn't condone god didn't bless god didn't tell him to do that but he's redefining because oh this is progress This is new, this is different, it's progressive, anything goes here. There's just a few generations removed from Adam and Eve, one man, one woman for life. And but once a man seeks progress, seeks progress above the presence of God, he gets to define right and wrong now. He redefines the standard and now the standard is no longer God because God's not in his thoughts at all. The standard now is man. Does this sound familiar to you? Oh, but it's progress. I mean, at first, it's progress for the sake of business. Cain's going to start a city. He's going to build a city. It's progress for the sake of civilization. Moving forward with technology and development. But that progress led then to progress of morality. The old ways... Oh, those are too old-fashioned. Now, uh, preacher, now we're in a new age now. We're in a new generation. We need to be open-minded to something new. It's called moral progress. I mean, one husband... One wife, you know how old, out of style that is? You know how old-fashioned that seems? I mean, less and less you hear about marriages um, celebrating a 50th wedding anniversary. Fewer and fewer times you're starting to hear about people staying together for, for, for their whole life. And now you can marry who you want. It's all up to you. It's all your truth. It's progress. Look at verse 20. In Ada... Bear Jabel, he was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. More progress. Here's a cattle baron now. Say, I'm thankful for cattle barons. I like steak. I do too. Raising cattle, I'm thankful for the ones that do. But here's a man, and we know based on what's happening in this society, he's not raising cattle for Jesus. He's raising cattle for money. He's making money. He's building an empire. Progress now is about how much money you're making. In your business. And that's what most people view as progress. I'm moving ahead. My bank account's better. I'm moving ahead. My investments are good. And when you choose to leave the presence of God, like Cain, and you set a trend for the next generations, you tend to uh, replace God with something other than God. There's nothing wrong with cattle. I'm thankful for those in the cattle industry, but in this case, cattle has replaced God. God's not in all their thoughts. I'm not saying it's wrong but it's obvious they're doing this without God and as much as I like cattle as much as I like a good steak it's no substitute for the presence of God verse 21 his brother's name was Jubal he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ and this is one close to my heart, I love music first mention of music in the Bible the father of harps and organs harps would be the stringed instruments an organ like a pipe organ air blowing through the pipe organ an organ would be like a flute-like instrument you know the bible says in zephaniah 3 that god is a musical being he rejoices over us with singing music is obviously part of god's nature it's something we got from god because we're created in his image i love music i'm thankful for it but there's nothing mentioned in this verse about Jubal using his talents for god he didn't set up an altar to God and, and get instrumentalists around and sing and play to God. No, it just says that he took the gift of music and he did something with it and he did it t- likely for himself, for the sake of progress, culture. I love classical music. I, I love that kind of music. I love the beauty of music. It, but listen, there's a lot of that. It's music for the aesthetic sake, but God's not being thought of at all in it. It's advancement, it's culture, it's progress, but where's God? Verse 22. And Zillah she also bare Tubalcain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron, and the sister of Tubalcain was Naamah. And here we see the first metal craftsman. Someone discovers copper, silver, ore, and they find out how to mine it. They turn it into pure metal, and they realize if you melt it down, you can fashion it to be whatever shape you want. Boy, this is big stuff. This is valuable stuff. People want that shiny stuff on their wrists. They want that shiny stuff. They want to wear it. It's worth a lot of money. Someone could get rich in this business, and it's good progress. But can it be progress without God? Verse 23. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. Here's Lamech again. He must have been a character. Here's progress. It had already been given him, uh, had already given him occasion to define his own morality. Remember? He's the one that married two wives. And now, look, it didn't stop at polygamy. Now he's boasting about murder. See, sure, there are cities and cattle and music and valuables and industries and and a sense of progress and a sense of evolution, a sense of change, a sense of advancement, but all the while, God is nowhere to be found. And while progress, listen, while progress goes up and advancement goes forward, spirituality spirals downward. And as if it wasn't man-centered enough, here's Lamech and he's claiming his own importance in Cain's city. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm more important than Cain. He said, if God's judgment on his enemies was sevenfold, his judgment on my enemies is seventyfold. That's my importance. And boy, this is a quite a parallel. Listen, it's happening right now in our country, too. A man-centered society... Listen, I'm going to try to read this because I really fashioned it to, be, to, to say it just like this. A man-centered society breeds more narcissism and self-love in every generation. Do we have more narcissism and self-love in this generation than the generation before it? Absolutely. Why? Because it's a man-centered society. We're in this woke culture. I know it's a key word and I've been using it a little bit lately, but... We have this woke culture in which if you uh, have a different opinion than somebody else, you can't without being offensive. You can't say it. You can't verbalize it. The stereotype, and listen, I, I want to just say to our young people, we got some young people in this room, and you're in this generation, don't let this stereotype apply to you, okay? The stereotype for your generation is ungrateful, self-centered, and an overinflated self-importance. Where's the respect that used to be taught from the younger to the elders in churches in schools and homes? Where's that at? See, this generation views themselves as more important than the previous generation. What did did Lamech say? Lamech said, oh, if Cain's judgment was sevenfold uh, for his enemies, my judgment's 70-fold. I view myself as being more important than the generation that came before me. Are we seeing that happen in our culture right now? We see this generation, and they're saying, I'm more important than the previous generations. I'm more important than the ones who established and fought for and died that I could enjoy a country like this. They're so woke and important and they're, that they're trying to wipe away the memory of the ones uh, who made all of this possible in the first place. And I'm not saying our ancestors were perfect. They absolutely were not. But their general idea of embracing God and having morality that's based on biblical principles put them in a better place than the man centered chaos that we're watching today. It's sad. It's sad that my children are being raised in a generation that views themselves as more important than their grandparents. But it's not new. Lamech was doing it already. Viewing his importance as being the most important. With a philosophy that says I'm more important than anyone around me. And anyone who came before me. I matter the most. It's a result of progress without God. It's a man-centered philosophy. And the parallel between this text and our culture. It's It's striking. All kinds of progress, but God's nowhere to be found. Social progress, but spiritual decline. All kinds of progress, but we're in Nod without God. Nod represents progress. It represents change. It, it's all about being where progressive and novel and and but building a civilization with music and metalwork and cattle and money all these things and they're valued so highly and those things aren't bad in and of themselves i'm not saying they are but we live in nod and we've left out god and it's not progress it's activity but no forward motion it's movement but not improvement it's going but not growing they found themselves making progress without God. They were making advancements, but all the while redefining God's idea about marriage. They were building cities and growing wealth and all the while, though, diminishing the value of life and normalizing murder. Yeah, there's progress. The new iPhone, it did more than ever. The TVs were bigger and cheaper and they could drive electric cars and the rich could, could fly to space cutting-edge medical care. But when you leave God out, there's no medicine to cure the sin and debauchery and evil and wickedness all around. In Nod, without God, making progress but getting further away from God's presence. Social progress, spiritual decline, so everything they did was impressive, but had no eternal, lasting value. Friend, we live in nod without God. And without God, progress has no spiritual or eternal value to it. We're building a man-centered society. We're redefining morals in the name of progress. But our sin... As a country, as a people, as individuals, our sin is taking us further and further away from God. We have more stuff and less spirituality without God and nod. And I know it's a sobering thought this morning, but we better apply it to ourselves. Because this can happen on a personal level too. Christian, are you going but not growing? Are you enjoying the advancements of life and you're moving ahead and you're doing everything, all the activity? You know, they used to say with technology years ago that our lives would be, would be so efficient that we would have 15 or 20 hour work, work weeks now. This is about 50 years ago. That's what they were saying. Computers are going to change everything. We're going to have 15, 20-hour work weeks. The rest of it, we're going to take a couple months vacation every year. It's just going to be life in ease. Why has that happened? I don't know about you, but I feel busier than I've ever been. I thought my iPhone would help me with my task list, but it seems like it multiplies my task list when I'm not looking. I can't get any of it off there some days. We're busier than we've ever been, and we're, we're moving more than we ever have, and as God's people, it's easy to look like we're making progress, but without God's presence, folks, we're going nowhere. You live your life in movement, but right now there's no improvement. It's easy to get there, folks, where you live and you've been a Christian for some length of time in your life, and you've got the routines down, and you look the part, and your family's where they need to be, and you've got the house, and you've got the payment taken care of, and, and you've got your bills, and everything's good, and finances are good and you're moving forward you're even involved in church and you're teaching and I mean just everything's good on the outside everything looks good and you're going 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 and you're moving 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 but you're not growing 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 and you're not improving 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 and you look back on the last couple of years when you've got it all together but your spiritual life is worse than it's ever been And right now, you're further from the presence of God than you were just a few years ago when you had less. And you had to depend on God more. And things weren't quite as easy. Folks, listen, this is easy to get to. Because we live in Nod, where we're led to believe that progress is king and progress matters the most. And being busy is what's important. And in the end, we can become empty shells. Going and not growing moving but not improving for some of you work is your nod you're busy with work and you're moving and you're getting things done but your career has become your focus and God has been left out of it the rest of your life yes you come to church and make sure your family is here and things are in order there but it's one Sunday morning a week and that's about it and the rest of the week God's not in your thoughts at all all the stuff that you've got, all the advancements and all the accomplishments and climbing the corporate ladder, it's all progress. But listen, that will not satisfy you like God's presence will. It never will. Some in here are so busy with school and just life in general, and you're going, going, but you've left God out of the daily life. And If you'll just prioritize God's presence over progress he'll help you succeed in all those other endeavors i'm a firm believer in that if you would seek god's kingdom first the bible says all those things will be added unto you but we skip the presence of of god we skip the kingdom and we just try to go to all the things that can be added to us and leave god out of it and before we know it it's just empty christian shells in our homes it's easy to get wrapped up in technology Advancement. I mean, you can have a smart home now that does everything for you, and you can walk in and just say out loud, "Alexa, play this song," and she'll play it for you. Creepy. All this advancement in our homes have not made our homes more godly. I mean, it used to be that uh, you know we have to fight it too. It used to be that if you had a TV in your home, you had one in one location and as a family you'd watch it together and now everybody's got a screen in their hands or a screen in their rooms and everybody's watching different things at the different times and family time has become so isolated even within our own homes and we have to fight it too. Families are, are instead of, of the media pulling us together and the technology kind of bringing us into one location, now it's just tearing us apart. And we've got to be careful as families, as parents, not to let our kids just have a screen in their hand all the time. Not to give them a screen way too early when they shouldn't have one. And we should be teaching them how to ride bikes and be outside. Go throw rocks at each other. That's what we used to do. Back when we had brains, you know. Screen hasn't sucked all the brains out. You know, the last few months, we've been inside more than ever. For a while there, you you're thinking, if I go outside, I'm going to die on the spot. <laughs> but we have to get, be careful. I think there's been a lot of people, and the connection to technology has only grown the last few months because there's nothing else to do. Families can get to the place they immerse themselves into Nod, and they leave out God. Think about our church. We have to be protective about getting too tech dependent, right here too. I love technology. I mean, and I, I just feel like a hypocrite. We can't be too tech dependent. And I'm looking at this, you know, big new uh, flat screen TV up here behind here. You know, so I could see the lyrics, and you know, I, I have to be careful that I don't think, well, if we just get all the new gadgets, then we're really going to draw them in. We just get all the new stuff that we're going to, that people are getting excited about coming to church and we can have the smoke and we can have the lights and, but listen, those things don't increase our chance to meet with God. I mean, dimming the house lights and all the latest music and the latest technology, they'll create a mood, but God's presence isn't dependent on any of those things. We can use some advancements uh, to our advantage, and we do, but as a church, we should depend on sound biblical truth and godly music as the primary means with which we create this environment to serve and worship our God. We'll use elements of technology for different things. We've got projectors up here, and we've got a screen in the back, and we've got these fading lights in here that look really cool. We have a sound system. We're not against technology. We're not against air conditioning. Some of you are saying, you could turn the fans off. I'd be happy with that. But we want them on because we want to let you know we're hip. (laughs) We have electricity in our building. Meanwhile, your notes are flying away, and... Listen, God help us if we ever depend on those things to manufacture meeting with God. We can meet in a barn. And if we have people that come to seek God in spirit and truth, and we we sing some good songs together, and someone clearly preaches or teaches God's word, that's all we'll ever need to meet with God. Don't get dependent on that, and don't assume that just because somebody doesn't have it all, that it's lesser, we're not trying to manufacture meeting with God. As a church family, if the last few months have taught me anything, it's that no advancement of technology can replace God's design for a local church body meeting together face-to-face on a regular basis. I'm thankful for the ability to live stream for those that can't be here. But if Randy, it's not the same. God's help will increase. And listen, as Eastside Baptist Church, as long as I'm the pastor and we're moving forward together, we will only increase our commitment to in-person gatherings rather than back off of them like many are doing. I do believe that could become distinctive at Eastside Baptist Church, the way that things are going. But friend, the most important question I could ask you is, are you in nod? Without God. See, we live in a nod society, and many of God's people, they've gotten so caught up in the advancement. But there are some in this room, and I want to implore you, please listen. Every, every person, if you just look at me here today, just look up. There's some in this room that live in nod without God at all. And it's not that you've left Him out, you've never had Him. You've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you died this morning, you have no idea where you'd spend eternity. And like the verse I read earlier, it's, it's, you don't seek after God. He's not in your thoughts at all. Listen, your condition, and I believe in a group this size, and I'm thankful for the good attendance this morning, I truly believe that there are some in this room right now, and your condition is not that you had God, you've kind of left Him behind, but that you've never had Him at all. You're in Nod, you're without God. You're without Jesus Christ. And the problem is, you're a sinner, and if you die without God, you will spend eternity without God. He's holy. And as a sinner, you're disqualified from heaven. And you say, well, that's not very helpful news. That's not very optimistic or encouraging. And no, it's not. If the news stopped there, it would be discouraging. It would be disappointing. It would be hopeless. But there's good news in that Jesus Christ died on the cross in your place for your sins so that you could spend eternity with God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And listen, there is nothing good about being without God. Nothing except that you don't have to stay without God. See, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. In chapter 2, verse 12, he said, Ye were without Christ. He's talking to a group of people in Ephesus, this church at Ephesus, and they used to be without God. They used to be without Christ, and he t- but they had received him. They had been saved. They now had God. And he said, ye were without Christ, strangers, having no hope, and without God. But the very next verse, he wrote this, Ephesians 2, 13. But now in Christ Jesus... Ye who were sometimes far, were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And there's somebody in this room this morning and you're thinking, I couldn't be further away from God. I, my life could not be more without God than it is right now. I have no hope. I've got no chance. There's no way that he can reach me. If he knew what I had done, there's no way he could love me. And listen, the worst sinner, there have been worse sinners. They've done worse in their lives than you ever have. And yet God was able, through the blood of Jesus Christ, to reach back when they were far off and without God and bring them nigh to Himself through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ has made it possible for every sinner, no matter how bad, no matter how big, no matter how desperate, no matter how far off, without God, He's made it possible for any sinner that you can think of to come close to Jesus Christ, to come close to God. You don't have to stay without God, you can be with God spiritually and when you're with God spiritually guess what you get to be with him eternally the offer is made to you and there are some in here and you're far off but his blood can bring you close he died for you and that payment can bring you back to God all you have to do is take a step of faith believe and yes you have sin You have to turn from that sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Are you a nod without God? Living your life without him? God's not in your thoughts at all. This could be a Christian. This could be an unsaved person this morning. But you're consumed with work. You're consumed with school. You're consumed with technology. You're consumed with stuff. You're consumed with a busy life. And you say, oh, but I'm making progress. your progress is leading you away from God. Listen, your life can be full of great progress. But if it's empty of God's presence, you have nothing. It can be full of great progress. But if it's empty of God's presence, you've got nothing. The most miserable people I know are those whose lives are full of everything except God. Lots of activity, but no change. Lots of movement, but no improvement. Lots of going, but no growing. And if you're living in Nod without the presence of God, then I hate to be the one that tells you this, but you really in your life don't have anything of eternal value. The great thing is, there's hope. And you don't have to stay without God. Look at the last two verses of Genesis 4. It says, And Adam knew his wife again, verse 25. And she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son. And he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Listen, the sons of Seth broke the trend. And they brought God back into their lives. So who's going to break the trend this morning? Who's going to be the one that sets aside the progress and places priority? on God's presence once again. That's real progress. And it's a choice that you can make this morning. Let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.